Well, good morning, church. So thankful that you're here today and uh, got got uh, continuing in a great series, the gospel, and you know what the gospel is, and just digging through that. And we've we've been talking through our our definition of the gospel, and just remember, you know, what we believe about the gospel is is how we're going to live. It's, it's going to it's going to influence us, and so the gospel we believe is the gospel we will live. Um, and so I just want to remember that as we're, as we're trucking through last week, we talked about King Jesus, uh, which was just great. I, I love talking about Jesus and, you know, because everything, um, was created through him. Uh, and you know, it's just as you, as you, uh, dig through the gospels, um, learning the story of Jesus and, and, you know, learning new truths about it as you mature in him, uh, just is awesome. I mean, it's just awesome to explore. And so I'm so thankful we got to talk about King Jesus last week. And so today we're going to talk about the kingdom and, um, his kingdom. Okay. Here on earth, because there, you know, there have been misconceptions about it over, over the, over the years. And, and so we want to kind of just get grounded in the kingdom of God. So let's, let's open up the word of prayer and then we'll, we'll get going. God, thank, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for, for King Jesus. Thank you for the good news that you've given us through this book. God, thank you that it's not just words on a page, that the word actually became flesh and dwelt among us. God, and, and so as we as we examine and look at the kingdom, God, what that means for us, how does that impact us? What are you saying to us that it is? God, help us to have clarity, discernment, and wisdom in understanding it. And God, I pray, I pray that it impacts our life and how we live. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. So, Caden uh, and I like to play uh, board games, and man, like he's uh, he's a kid after my own heart, and we we play Monopoly, Risk, um, we play this game called Camelot, um, and uh, those have always been some of my favorite games. And we play, we love it so much. We play different variations, like we got Transformers, Risk, and um, Lord of the Rings, Monopoly, and and you know we could just. Uh, and and there's some other there's some other games I used to play the computer versions uh, called Ages of Empire. There was a whole series uh, that tracked along a similar thread or Civilization or I, and there's some others. Um, and I, I love these games because it's it's it goes right along with human nature, right? What can I take? What can I conquer? I want to I want to defeat the world, you know, and it's. It's a, it's just a silly little board game, but it's not either, you know, throughout the history of the world, there, there's been a conquering mentality, a, you know, I want to take ownership and why? Because I want to make whatever I'm taking ownership into what I want it to be. I want to be the one that makes the rules. I want to be the king of my own kingdom. And so, you know, we, we've seen, again, we've seen um, nations and peoples and, and rise up and conquer other people and, 
uh, take over and make them like them, you know? Um, and sometimes we do it in a banner of, of, Hey, I'm improving this group of people and, and, and whatnot. Um, and so it's just how the world works, right? War. It's how war works. We, we come in and want to correct evil. Um, but there's people that want to create evil with war, you know? And so it's, it's just this whole conquering thing that goes on, and the and the Jews of Jesus' day knew it well. I mean, they were they were in the shadow of Rome, right? And man, Rome, uh, Rome did some good things, and Rome did some horrible things. And they were all over the map with their beliefs, and depending on who was the uh, Caesar or emperor or whatever in the moment is is what everyone had to had to believe, you know. And so, uh, so the crazy thing is God's kingdom is the opposite. It's the opposite of the world. It's the opposite of what the Jews were waiting for. It's the opposite of what we think. And Jesus uses kingdom language. Um, Mark 1, 14 and 15, it says, Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying that time is fulfilled. And the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So we've talked about this a little bit. What the Jews thought, you know, they they thought that their king was coming to overthrow the Romans. I mean, that was a, a, a general uh, consensus amongst the people. I'm going to return to the time of our our you know glory days of King Solomon, King David. And it would be this physical thing, and we were going to reign and implement our way of life onto other people. So what the world thinks about in its kingdom, expanding our boundaries and our territory, very similar to monopoly or risk or, or whatever conquering game that you've uh, been a part of and played. And so... So we want to we want to think about the word kingdom and the the biblical definition versus the world <laughs> definition. So the worldview is it's a realm, a dominion, an empire or a territory, an established or conquered land that is ruled by a sovereign leader. Okay, that's that's how the world looks at it. And the problem is that's not what Jesus says nor what he does. <clears throat> Jesus uses terms like Give away, leave, serve, sacrifice, even death. Jesus' kingdom is the opposite of the world. I've, I've heard it referenced many times. Jesus' kingdom is the upside down, is the upside down kingdom. It, it is in every way different than how the world would see it. So the good news of the kingdom of God is that you have to come and die. How in the world is that good news? And the world all the time is saying, what can I get out of it? How does this serve me? Well, Jesus' view is the sovereign reign and rule of Christ. It's Christ's authority is reigning within you. Not over a territory, not over a land, but in you. The gospel is that, that I surrender my life to the one that can restore and save my soul. 
I have to put my trust in the eternal king, not an earthly one. Jesus even uses kingdom language in the in the Lord's Prayer when he's teaching them how to pray, right? He says in Matthew 6, uh, starting, starting in verse 7, it says, And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard. For their many words, do not be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. May the kingdom come. His reign and His rule in our life. Jesus says it right there. But what's He talking about? What does that mean for you? How does that work out in your life? When Jesus uses kingdom language with the gospel, He's he's talking about three really important realities. Okay, One... The first reality is that he ruled and reigned from the beginning and that that rule and reign is still available to us right now. From, from, from the beginning of creation till now, he, he ruled and reigned. The second thing is that when, when sin entered the world, the fall occurred, right? And, and our King Jesus and his kingdom is restoring all things, reconciling. He's restoring all things. And the third important reality is that there is a second coming. There is a return. And when Jesus returns, he's, he's going to exercise his will and authority over everything. Heaven and earth. Over everything. Let's look at what Jesus says in Luke 17, 20-21. It says, Being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God uh, would come, he answered them. The kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed. Nor would they say, look, here it is, or there, for behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. Isn't that awesome? I mean, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. It's not going to be able to be observed like you would think. You're, you're not going to just be able to point to one location. Um, it's his rule, and it's his his reign, and it's not the way they thought. It was very different. How do we see the kingdom in the world today? How do we see the kingdom of God? Uh, Bill Hull, he's an author. I've, I've read several of his books. Uh, love the way he writes. Um, he says, wherever Christ is ruling, there the kingdom of God is. The kingdom is wherever you and I are because we have Christ in us. Uh, I, was, I saw this illustration, and and uh, it's uh, it's like two circles, right? One represents heaven, one represents earth. And in the beginning, they were they were on top of each other, like right. God walked amongst men and and interacted, and and the two were kind of one. And of course, sin separated, and so God began to act out in His creation, and we we see that with pillars of fire and clouds and burning bushes and just just different things like that that were going on in the Old Testament. And then they build this tabernacle, right? And the presence of God uh, comes into the, the uh, 
the center of the tabernacle and the tent. Uh, and, and so they got this holy place and then the tabernacle later uh, gets turned into the temple and same thing. There's this holy of holy places in the middle and everyone can't enter it. And so, <clears throat> so all this time there was a separation from heaven and earth, but there was this overlapping section where the two circles kind of overlap just a little bit. And God created this holy space where he was, right? And so by the blood sacrifice of animals, our sins were absorbed into the innocent blood and the, and the death penalty was paid. And so, um, so that's how this, this space was created for, for us to enter. And, and then Jesus comes on the scene, right? And Jesus takes over this space of holiness. So now the, the holy of holy places isn't uh, um, just singled out into a room. It's now walking around. <laughs> The holy of holy places is now walking around. And, and Jesus is able to invade the earthly territory over here where before the circle just kind of overlapped. Now Jesus is out here walking amongst the sinners. And wherever he goes, there's pockets of holiness. Right? And then he, he dies. Jesus dies. And he resurrects. And he says, I have to leave so that he may come. And he's referencing the Holy Spirit. And so, so we literally get God dwelling inside of us. So now we're these little pockets of holiness, of kingdom, running around out here. <laughs> Hopefully involved in increasing more kingdom. his rule and it's his reign and when when jesus is our king and he's he's reigning in our life he's inside of us we are his kingdom and it's not like the world thinks we see it in changed lives we see it in christ's rule in us colossians three fifteen says and let the peace of christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. He gives us to, the ability to be changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. We get to be changed. We get to live out the Beatitudes, right? The, the Beatitudes there in Matthew, that, that's kingdom living. We look different. We live different. In the church life, we together live out the principles of kingdom. He has brought us together. In Revelation 1.6, it says, And made us a kingdom, priest to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Made us a kingdom a royal priesthood of believers. When we're changed, all of God's living all of God's people living as a family, the kingdom is right there. It's among us. It's not out in some distant land, it's amongst God's people. So why don't people experience this more? Why do why do people miss it? Some people just don't have the right understanding. They never really knew what the kingdom was. We don't hear it always taught about um, 
very often. And, and so again, just, we miss things. And so over, over years of our life and church and stuff, sometimes, sometimes the gospel, and that's what we've been talking about this whole time, gets simplified or skewed and it gets watered down a little bit. And we end up missing a few components of it and kind of create our own thing. And, and of course, again, at the heart of things, I think, I think we all want everyone to come to heaven. We want everyone in the kingdom. But we can't shortcut things. We have to do it Jesus' way. We have to obey Him. And so people choose to live in the chaos of that. The chaos of how things just don't quite add up. And there always just seems to be like something's missing. And the King calls us to live in His kingdom. But people want both worlds, right? We, we want to we keep a foot on both sides of the fence. But in following Jesus, we have to face some some brutal truths and be brutally honest with ourselves. And again, come back to the facts of the Bible. We have to know the Bible, and we have to believe in the Bible, and we got to stop putting ourselves at the center of the gospel because the center of the gospel is King Jesus. We got to stop asking what we what Jesus can do for me. Like, I'll go to church as long as it fits my life. Or I'll, I'll, I'll do this as long as I don't have to change this. And we keep putting these rules and parameters up instead of Jesus says, Hey, you want to follow after me? Pick up the cross. It's a struggle. It's a struggle to give Jesus full authority. Even though we have this false sense of control. Right? It's still difficult to, to lay, lay things at Jesus' feet that we're really clinging to. And we, we need to begin to beg Jesus to pry those things out of our hands. We don't really control them anyway. Bitterness, anger, hurt, money, jobs, just so many things that end up getting in the way of us truly living out the kingdom. Ask yourself, what's something that if, if King Jesus showed up today and asked you to give up just right now, you just couldn't. Like the rich young ruler, when Jesus asked him to sell everything and give it to the poor, he went away sad. He just couldn't do it. And I think that needs to begin to, to work into our prayer life, if it hasn't already. And so what happens when we live under the king's rule and preach the gospel that he preached? That we share the good news that's actually biblical, the full, the full good news, the full story. Well, one of the best things ever that I love about following Jesus and what he says in the Word of God is that we finally start to begin to experience true freedom. Freedom in the Spirit. Christ came to set us free. Free from sin and to live and, and, the, and, the, and out of the chaos. Like we break out of the chaos that goes on in this world. I just want you to think about the last seven months and the chaos that has spiraled out in the world. And last night I was talking to a, a sheriff deputy and, and I was telling him, I said, you know, it's funny, all this craziness going on. I got to be real honest with you. If it wasn't for the TV, I'd barely know any of it happened. And again, I'm not saying that we ignore all the world issues and that we, but like the world is trying to create chaos. Satan is trying to create chaos. 
And we're called to not live in the chaos. And we can't do that unless Jesus is truly reigning in us and that we are truly a part of his kingdom. We become a disciple and we go make disciples. That's what we do. The gospel is a gospel that tells us to go and shout it out and live amongst the world as the kingdom of God. And the church often has agreed to the mental facts, right? We can sit up here and spout off the truth and read scripture and I get amens. But a lot of time it results in very little action. Why even go if we don't have a biblical understanding of the gospel? What's the point? If we're, if we're not sharing the, the right message from scripture, then why go at all? We're supposed to become this light to others. We fulfill what Jesus always wanted for us. It's, it's what he wanted for Israel, for us to be the people that declare him, both in word and deed. Matthew five fourteen through 16 says this, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. We are supposed to shine this light. So I, I, just, I just want to, as we, as we close today, um, we're going we're gonna to stand and sing um, our, uh, our invitation hymn. And as we close, I want, to, I want to encourage you to respond. You know, we talk about that. The gospel demands a response. And, and maybe that response to you today is to, to repent, man. Maybe, maybe you've already gone through the initial repentance, but man, you've just been living your own way. And, you know, again, a, a good biblical definition is what Jesus says. Pick up your cross, deny yourself and pick up your cross and follow me. That's repentance. Turning away from your, your selfishness, yourself, and turning and walking with Jesus suffering along with Christ. So maybe you need to repent. Maybe maybe you've never made the decision to get baptized. Man, there's so much in the Word of God about baptism. It, 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 I, I think you should take a look at it. Man. Like anybody who wants to do that, I'd love to talk to you about it. Man, it's, it's such a powerful thing. Maybe you're just learning to believe for the first time. Maybe maybe you are in a place where you've, you've, you are saved, but but in that salvation, there's, there's a maturing process. And maybe you're, you're somewhere in the elementary areas of your maturity. And you need to grow so that you can go help make other disciples. But you're not ready to go make other disciples yet because you're still back in. The Bible talks about that. You're still back here in the elementary teachings. And so I would just encourage you. If, I, I, I believe as a follower of Jesus, we need to be in one of two places with this. You either need to be being discipled or one of three places. You need to be discipled. You need to be in a place where you're still being discipled that you're beginning to pour into someone else or you're full on a disciple maker and you're mature enough that, that you're, you can take your, your younger brothers and sisters in Christ and help them mature so they can take their younger, younger brothers and sisters in Christ and help them mature. It's called a disciple maker. But we first have to be a disciple. We have to follow Jesus. And maybe you haven't understood what that is. And if you want more information on that, I would love to sit down 
and talk about that with you. So I believe we either need to be making, being discipled or making disciples. And there's a crossover in there at some point, like I shared. So, so maybe your decision to the gospel is like, hey, it's time. It's time to step up. It's time to grow up into Christ. Maybe this morning you, you need prayer for something. We just, we just want to throw out this invitation and invite you to do any of those things or all of those things or, or, or whatever God is just speaking to your heart this morning. So let's, let me pray and then we'll stand and sing. God, thank you again for this morning. Thank you for your kingdom, God. And we do pray that. We pray your kingdom here on earth, God. And we pray that we're living in that and we're, we're um, sharing that with others in the context of the good news, that there is an established kingdom that we get to be a part of, that, that we can't point to in some physical location, God, because it dwells inside of your people. And I pray that we're reflective of that kingdom and our king. God, I pray that we're living in such a way that we are the light on a hill that cannot be hidden. And we're shining our light into others, Lord. So whoever you're prompting this morning, whatever you're stirring in people's hearts, their souls, their minds, God, I pray for that response. Whether it's here in this moment or sometime during the week or, or whatever, God, I pray that we don't just have you stirring inside of us and then ignore it, God. Um, because ultimately it hurts us. Because then we don't walk in freedom. We don't live in freedom. And we're willingly choosing to live in the chaos even though we have something better. So God, thank you again. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.